1: Welcome to Spiritual Insights everyone, I'm Charlotte Spicer. Thank you so much for tuning in from the United States and around the world. If you're new to the show, thank you for being here and I encourage you to explore all that we offer the Spiritual Insights community. In addition to producing these segments, I am an energetic healer and channel for Jesus. Today I want to introduce a new monthly segment series with someone who offers profound yet simple advice to the spiritual community. Bill Ferguson first appeared on the show in 2013 i have invited him to join the spiritual insights wisdom panel to share his light and insightful discoveries about life with all of you in our series entitled the nature of reality in these segments bill and i will share our thoughts on a variety of topics that contribute to reality as we live it as the landscape for all of collective humanity changes in this new age With the COVID-19 pandemic serving as an enormous catalyst for change, we felt these discussions would inspire listeners as they evaluate the quality of their lives and move forward. Bill began his career as a divorce attorney and gained national attention for his ability to take the conflict out of divorce. Ultimately, 15 percent of his clients never followed through with divorce, and the ones who did were able to part as friends. Bill's work has been called the quote-unquote penicillin of psychology. He's been featured on Oprah, recommended by both the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post, and has written several best-selling books, including Get Your Power Back, How to Heal a Painful Relationship, and Miracles Are Guaranteed. He has worked with thousands of people around the world. On his website, you can browse his bookstore and find an array of articles and videos. He also offers a newsletter with tips to creating a great life, and you can learn about individual support and the mastery course, a step-by-step process for resolving problem areas, healing relationships, and creating a great life. Bill also offers individual consulting sessions to give you the freedom and the direction you need to handle your situation. With Bill's guidance, most situations take only a few sessions to resolve. Visit MasteryofLife.com to explore all of these options, and visit SpiritualInsightsRadio.com to join the Spiritual Insights community, review the archives of divine transmissions, and learn more about my energetic healing work with the divine. So, ladies and gentlemen, please join me in embracing my new special guest co-host, Bill Ferguson. Welcome to the Spiritual Insights community, Bill.
0: Hi there. It's great to be with you. I've been looking forward to this.
1: Me, too. It's been it's been something I've always wanted to do uh, since working with you the first, second and third time years ago. And so I'm very excited to offer this to the listeners. I wanted them to understand what it is that you're doing, what your work is and what you offer the community in terms of helping them fix their
0: lives. Yeah. Well, one thing I've discovered that for me is really fascinating, and that is that anytime, time, every time there's a relationship or any area of life that isn't working that which we think is the problem ultimately is never the problem hmm. it's always the symptom of something deeper there's an underlying condition of resisting or hanging on that destroys our ability to see what needs to be done and forces destructive behavior okay mm-hmm. and basically What it is, it's like at any moment, what so is always what so. What happened is what happened. Mm -hmm.
1: You know,
0: your situation is the way your situation is. It's like it just is. It just is. And when you can be at peace with the truth of the way things are, you automatically look in a direction where solutions and opportunity and possibility show up. And get an example I can use to show you this. Uh, if you look at the areas of your life that work great, those are areas where you can flow with whatever happens. Things mm-hmm. happen you don't like, but you don't get hooked. You take effective action. If you look at the areas of your life that don't work, those are areas where you can't flow. And of course, Mm -hmm. why we can't flow is because those areas of life strike a nerve, we're threatened. So to avoid that perceived threat, we fight the circumstance that triggers the hurt. And in fighting the circumstance, all of our focus is on resisting. And the resisting is literally 180 degrees opposite of where the solutions are. So instead of putting our focus on what do I need to do based on the facts, the focus is on fighting the facts. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which then sets in motion a number of very destructive processes, all of which make the situation worse. How so? How so? Well, for one thing, you create a state of upset. Mm -hmm. So let's look at upsets. When we get upset, it looks like the upset is caused by what happens, but that's an illusion. No circumstance has the ability to create an upset. An upset is an inner experience, it's a state of mind, and it can only exist if we're fighting what happened. I agree. Yeah, so to see this in your life, pick a time when you've been upset Mm -hmm. and notice that what happened, happened. And notice how totally irrelevant our feelings are about it. It still happened. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then notice what would happen to the upset if somehow you were at peace with what happened. The upset would disappear. It would would dissolve, absolutely. It would Mm -hmm. dissolve, because upsets are never caused by what happens. They're caused by fighting what happens the moment you can surrender to the truth. Okay. What happened happened. Mm -hmm. Then automatically you put your focus on what do I need to do based on facts to find a solution. Okay. Yeah. Give you an example. My wife and I used to have a black and white cat Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and that cat wouldn't bark. And I could yell at the cat, I could scream at the cat, I could plead with the cat, I could rationalize with the cat, but it just wouldn't make any difference because no matter what I did, that cat wouldn't bark. That's a fact. The cat mm-hmm. isn't gonna bark. That's a fact. Okay, well, if I can surrender to that truth, the truth is the cat's not the cat isn't it's not gonna. Well, if I can surrender to that truth, and if I wanna hear barking, then what do I need to do? Go get a dog. There you go. See, When you're at peace with the truth, you automatically look in a direction where solutions and opportunities show up. In any area of life that isn't working, instead of putting the focus on what do I need to do based on the facts, the focus is on fighting the facts. So in my cat example, I'm going to be blaming the cat. The cat's the problem. What's the matter with that doggone cat? And in my fighting the cat, not only do I lose my ability to see what needs to be done, but in my fighting the cat, now the cat is starting to bite. Hmm. Oh, no. (laughs) so, so, So in my fighting the facts... I destroy my ability to see what needs to be done. And I'm guaranteed to make my situation worse.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So is this what you do with clients in the mastery course and the other uh, counseling sessions that you offer is help them to see what truths they're in denial of?
0: Yeah, literally anytime there's an area of life that isn't working, that's never the problem, that's the symptom. There's always an underlying condition that's destroying our ability to see what needs to be done and it forces us to act in a way that magnifies the problem. So what I do when I work with people and I do this when I work with them individually and I do this through the mastery course, I have people discover the underlying condition that's creating all the suffering. And then when they remove that underlying condition, they restore their ability to see clearly and then solutions and opportunities show up. And then that area of life starts clearing up. And, and and that can happen very, very fast.
1: Wow. Fascinating. So you're saying that it's not really the circumstance, the truth or the facts that are hurting you. It's your reaction it never, to
0: it. It is never, 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 never the circumstances. Literally anytime, time, every time, there's an area of life that isn't working what's happening is we're fighting the truth yeah you know and when you can surrender to the truth then you can see what you need to do
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah here's another uh, example I want to talk about how we lose our power
1: okay
0: okay uh, because one of the things that ha- when you, when you fight the truth, You know, you create a state of upset, you destroy your ability to see what needs to be done and you lose your power. So I wanna talk about this. Okay. At any moment, we are totally hopelessly at the effect of the world around us. No matter what happens around us, we're gonna react. Yes. We're hopelessly at the effect of the world around us. But what we don't notice is that simultaneously the world around us is totally hopelessly at the effect of us. Absolutely. No mm-hmm. matter what you do or don't do, the world around you is going to respond to you. That makes you the cause. Yes. So we're totally at the effect. And simultaneously, we're totally the cause.
1: Absolutely. Oh my Both goodness. at the same
0: time. Mm-hmm. But we only experience ourselves as being one or the other. When you experience yourself as being at the effect, life is on top of you. Yeah. Anytime, anytime we're upset, anytime we feel like life's on top of us, anytime that happens, we're at the effect.
1: And feeling totally powerless to do anything about it.
0: That's right. When you're at the effect, you're powerless. Also, you start becoming negative. You lose your confidence. And if you stay at the effect long enough, it leads to depression and all sorts of dark, Self- nasty things.
1: Self-pity.
0: Yes. All anger, and all and all.
1: blame, shame. Oh, yes. mm-hmm, all of it.
0: Yes. So when we're at the effect, not only are we powerless, but we create a tremendous amount of suffering. Yes. See, but what we don't notice is is that we're at the effect we're the victim of our circumstance and we're also the creator of our circumstances
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so so when you can shift from being at the effect to being at cause you create a whole different life so let me give you an example of getting at cause
1: yes that's what i was going to say how do you get there
0: Have you ever had a time when there was something that that you were at the effect of? And it just nagged at you and it nagged at you. And then you reached a point where you decided, all right, enough is enough. I'm tired of messing with this. I'm going to handle it. And I don't care what it takes to handle it. I'm going to handle it. And you started taking action. Hundreds of times. Yeah. Notice the moment you do that, you shift from being at the effect to being at cause. Absolutely. You get your power back. So when you're at the effect, you're powerless. But when you're at cause, you can chart your course. You can make things happen. You're on top of life instead of life being on top of you. So the name of the game is to live your life at cause. And it's possible to be at cause almost all the time. Wow. Mm -hmm. But there's something that we do. And also being at cause, that's the natural state. When you're free of all the junk, you're automatically a cause, but there's something that we do that takes away our power and puts us at the effect. What we do is we fight the truth. We fight our circumstances. And the moment we fight our circumstances, we give our circumstances power that they don't inherently have. Yes we make our circumstances the cause we make ourselves the effect and the moment we make ourselves the effect we set in motion a process that produces tremendous suffering and has us lose our power so one of the things that happens like when you fight the truth you create a state of upset you destroy your ability to see what needs to be done and you lose your power
1: you literally just hand it over to the circumstance. You hand
0: it, you hand it over. Mm-hmm. So anytime you're at the effect, if what you can do is surrender to the truth of the way things are. I hate it that this is the way things are, but this is the way things are. Based on the facts, what do I need to do? The moment you create a plan of action based on the facts and you commit to that plan of action, you shift from being at the effect to being a cause
1: fascinating.
0: It power back fast.
1: And it's it's really reclaiming like your sovereign self. We are creators. We are beings yeah. that are here to create. So yeah. to relinquish that, to submit yeah. to the circumstance and just lie down and say, "Okay, I'm the victim. There's nothing I can do." That's not a natural state of being.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely, okay. but that's what we do all the time. All the time anytime you're upset you're fighting the truth anytime you're in the presence of an area of life that isn't working there's something that you're fighting here's another Absolutely. thing okay that when when we're in a state of upset our decisions and actions are based on emotion totally When you're at peace your decisions and actions are based on fact which produces a very different result
1: very and what i always say is that life reflects back to you because there is still that cause and effect that we're talking about yes. but life tends to reflect back to you what you don't see in yourself it makes you look at these yes. things and then yes. when you react to a circumstance your emotional reaction um, as you say, the, the emotions are the threat. Those are the problem. But the emotional yes. reaction for me is just a, a re-triggering of a previous hurt. And now you're feeling that hurt that much more acutely and piling it onto the present circumstance. And now you're a mess.
0: Yeah. And then what happens is that suppressed hurt grows and grows and grows. Yes. And, and, then, and then the irony is that everything we do to avoid that hurt creates more of it absolutely because what happens is that we're that that hurt is perceived as a major threat to our survival so to avoid that threat all of our focus is on how do i make life be a certain way how do i make the circumstances be a certain way so i don't have to feel my hurt that creates a state of tunnel vision yes that tunnel vision destroys our ability to see what needs to be done because the solutions are outside the tunnel vision Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. In the tunnel vision, there's only like two degrees of possibility. In the tunnel vision, all we can do is fight, resist, hang on, or withdraw. But you get rid of the tunnel vision, then all of a sudden, instead of having two degrees of possibility, you've got 360 degrees of possibility. You can see solutions that you could never have seen before.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's like any time you're in a difficult situation, top, top priority is get your peace back. And the more you get your peace back, the more you see clearly, the more you get your effectiveness back.
1: But we need to recognize that when we are looking at a situation and we are uh, limiting the type of outcome that can, that would be possible when we're limiting what we would prefer, what we would accept as an outcome, that's when, you know, we, we even fortify that tunnel vision because there's so many other possible solutions and this is just keeping yourself trapped, keeping yourself trapped in it and to get your peace back, you have to come to acceptance. It is what it is.
0: Yeah. Here's another, another aspect of all of this, fear. Mm -hmm. Yes. Fear is like an upset. An upset is created by fighting and resisting a past or present event. A fear is created by resisting a future event. So, for example, let's say I have a relationship with somebody
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: I have a fear of losing her. Right. Well, the more... I resist losing her the bigger my fear sure the bigger my fear the more I'm threatened Mm -hmm. mm-hmm I'm threatened the more I get tunnel vision the more I act destructively I hang on to her I get upset easy I may try to control her but what will happen is that in my fear of losing her I will act in a way that will destroy love and instead of creating an an environment where she's gonna want to be with me I'm creating an environment where she's going to want to avoid me. Mm
1: -hmm. So in my
0: fear of losing her, I set in motion a process that tends to push her away. Yes. Which then brings to me my fear. So whatever we fear, we tend to create.
1: Yes. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy based on the behavior that you exhibited with the jealousy, possessiveness, and... Control, just trying to control the circumstance means you're out of control of the circumstance.
0: Exactly. And another way of looking at this, another way of saying this, is that whatever you resist, no matter what it is, whatever you resist, you're going to magnify and give power to it. Mm -hmm. No matter what it is, it's like a law of physics. (laughs) Give me an example. Okay. Imagine on the ceiling above you, four large yellow balloons. Okay. Now, whatever you do, don't think about them. Okay. Okay. What happens when you try not to think about the yellow balloons?
1: My focus sharpens on the yellow balloons.
0: Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the same principle applies in every single area of life. Whatever you resist, you're going to magnify and give power to it. Another example, have you ever had a relationship with somebody and that person had a characteristic that you couldn't stand and you resisted the characteristic? Sure, of course. Notice what happens to the characteristic. It grows and it grows not only in your perception, it actually shows up more in the physical world around you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You resist losing somebody, you resist the future event, you resist losing somebody, you can act in a way that's going to push her out the door.
1: I love the way you put this. And yes, it, it when you resist a certain characteristic or even an idiosyncrasy, you know, something they do, some little tick, the more it gets on your nerves, the more it gets on your nerves. It just yeah. amplifies the yes. agitation to it. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you and it's and it's just interesting because you will actually magnify, you will cause it to show up more in the physical universe around you. Not only will you see it more because of your perception, but it will actually physically show up more.
1: Absolutely. And I I found a way to circumvent that, if you'd like to hear it. I had a situation years ago, uh, shortly after I met my husband, and we were probably about two years in, going on two years. And I started to notice that he was saying things that triggered me. And being a diehard student of A Course in Miracles and at that time sharing it with him, I, I said to him, I said, I have to stop you mid-sentence. I'm sorry, but I, I feel triggered right now and I want to go figure out what triggered me. He says, well, what did I say? I said, I said, you said something that hurt my feelings. He said, but I wasn't trying to. I said, I know you weren't and I know you wouldn't. So I need to go figure this out. So I excused myself, went to another room, sat down and said, what's really bothering you? What is it? What's what's being triggered? And I let the answer come up from my gut. And the answer was that whatever his statement was, it reminded me of something my mother had said in my childhood. I said, okay. I sat there, I did the forgiveness work, felt better, went out and said, all finished. We're good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's what happens. It's like it's it's never, 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 never the circumstances.
1: Never. It's never what's in front of you. It's something that's behind you that's yes. being triggered the it, first time yes, it happened it, or another instance.
0: Yeah. And it's really beautiful what you, the words you use. It's not something in front of you it's something behind you. Absolutely. But it, but it, but, it, but it's so true. But it's like we're, we live in a world where all the focus is outside of us. Mm-hmm. He said, mm-hmm. she said, we're taught that happiness and upsets come from outside of ourselves. So if we wanna be happy and not upset, we need to make outside of us be a particular way. Yes. So we fight, resist, hang on, withdraw, trying to make life be a certain way. But what happens is instead of creating the happiness that we seek, it destroys it. Instead of avoiding upsets, it creates it. And our trying to force life to be a certain way we create tremendous suffering and we keep our dreams from coming true.
1: You know, it sounds complicated, but it really is quite simple. It's just that how do we share with how to, let's say, plug into the simplicity of it? Yeah. Where do you start? Very,
0: it's very, very simple. Easier said than done.
1: Absolutely.
0: But very simple because once you see it, you just can't argue with it. That's true but you can go a whole lifetime and never see it.
1: That's also true. You yeah. can, you can change your perception, but once you yes. do, you can't go back to the old perception. It's a, it's yes. a, f- yes. once you
0: have that awareness.
1: Yeah. The game once pieces you- always move forward, never backwards. When it comes to consciousness.
0: So the key is to focus inside rather than outside, because as long as we're focusing outside, we're focusing on the symptoms. And if you don't get to the cause, nothing's gonna change.
1: This is true. This brings it's, me to a very important point, but finish your finish your idea or
0: your thought. It's just that like we have this internal programming that's, that's based on all of our decisions, our beliefs, and most importantly, our hurt, our suppressed yes. hurt. And then it's like a programming, like a computer always acts consistent with its programming. Well, so do we. <laughs>
1: Yes, absolutely. So Mm -hmm. we have
0: all of our internal programming, all of our junk, and then that forces us to act in a particular way, which forces life to respond accordingly, which then reinforces our reality.
1: And we're back to cause and effect. Yeah. And flip-flopping between the two. Yeah. Okay. Beautifully said. So when you
0: shift inside, when you heal inside, you change how you relate to life and when you change how you relate to life, you change what happens around you.
1: Now, would you agree then that once we look inside, the thing we need to endeavor to do is to really see what's bothering us? What is this unhappiness you keep trying to bury, push down, push away, externalize, yes. or or project onto something else and blame somebody? We have but, to really take a look.
0: Yeah, and a very, very powerful question is, why can't I be at peace with the truth?
1: Especially when it's about me.
0: Well, it's like anytime, if there's, if there's any circumstance that we're not at peace with, because what's so is always what's so what happened is always what happened. Yeah. you know The, the facts are the facts. It just is. All, in fact, all there is, is, is we make up all the rest. So, If there's something we can't be at peace with, why we can't be at peace with it is ultimately because it hurts. Absolutely. So powerful question. If there's ever any circumstance you can't be at peace with, very powerful question. Why can't I be at peace with the truth? And then that takes the focus off of the circumstance and it puts the focus on the inside. And then when you focus on the inside, that's where you find solutions. That's where you can have a healing. That's where you change the programming. And that's what changes your life.
1: Fabulous. I wanted to bring in current circumstances into the conversation and the equation, and let's apply it to this. We're still in the COVID-19 era. In 2020, it's like God put the whole world on a timeout, is how I like to put it. And said no you need to look at yourself so what was removed was a lot of the external that we focus on we had to go within stay within our homes and then once all the closets were cleaned and the garages were cleaned out and and the old clothes were you know put in a box to be donated what were we left with ourselves and so we went through a major transformation over the past year of looking at our lives and i like to say that covid 19 is the microscope through which we evaluated our lives and what we want to do with them. So you're seeing a lot of career changes. People are jumping ship. They're quitting jobs without having another one and taking the leap of faith and saying, no, I've been in this rat race and in this this stuck pattern for so long, and I can't take it anymore. So we've reached our limit. I wanted your thoughts on how this applies in the COVID era. What was your observation of people you worked with?
0: Well, it's, it's the same thing. People seem to be more stressed now than any time since I can remember. And in that stress, people are on edge, they get upset, easy, they Very easy, they, they lash out, they draw sides, there's so much of the suffering that's that happening in our planet um, is, is coming from like all this stress. But all the stress is coming from fighting the truth. Yes. You know, and, 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 I, and I just, I like to think that all the suffering, all the craziness that's happening on the planet is to put us in a place where we start looking inside, to put us in a place where individually and collectively, we need to be able to flow with life and we need to focus on what do we need to do?
1: Absolutely. And we're, we're not flowing with it. We're trying to keep up with it and it's too much and it's too hard and it's too complicated and it's too imbalanced and too, too much in favor of one set of people and neglects and disenfranchises other sets. Everything about the world has been touched by COVID, everything about the way it works. And now we're getting to see truths that we've just ignored, that we flat out ignored with how life is being governed and how we respond to it. And and I'm looking forward to a major, let's say big reveal for humanity about the truth and how we want life to be instead of trying to fit into something that
0: is just too much. Yes, yes. One of the things I've noticed is that that people tend to have to hit the bottom before they have an awakening. Sure. People have tend to have to have some serious thing in their life before they start shifting their focus. Yes. And and I suspect that the same thing is true for a culture. And uh, yes. And in our case, it's not just a planetary culture. I mean it's not just the US culture, it's a planetary culture. Got you. Yeah, because we we come from a place where it's all about the circumstances, trying to make circumstances be a certain way. And that um, and it's not about love. one, one thing is, it's interesting, there's two different realms in life. There's the realm of who we are which is that experience of love right and in that experience of love you know you're happy you're alive you're free the circumstances of life have absolutely no power over you you have a very positive energy you radiate that positive energy and great things happen around you that's the natural state of who we are when you're in that state you're in the place referred to as in the light okay And that's the realm of love, joy, peace, happiness, and miracles. Right. And then you got the realm of the darkness Mm. and in the realm of darkness, instead of having to focus be on the inside, the focus is on the outside. In the darkness, it's all about the circumstances. It's fight, resist, hang on, withdraw, force people in life to be a certain way. Thinking it'll somehow bring us to happiness. Right. And that's the realm of fear, upset, and suffering so we have literally we have two different realms we have the realm of who we are the light and we have the realm of circumstances the darkness totally opposite realms with totally opposite consequences and everything we're taught to do in the realm of circumstances creates more suffering and everything we're taught to do in the in the light creates more light and the two rules are one 180 degrees opposite absolutely wow Mm. in the realm of circumstances you want something you got to be willing to lose it I mean in in the realm of circumstances you want something you hang on to it in the realm of love you want something you got to be willing to lose it in the realm of circumstances run from your hurt in the realm of love run towards it so you can get rid of it you know in the the realm of circumstances, keep your walls up to protect yourself. Sure. In the realm of love, let your walls down. The greatest protection is an open heart. And defenselessness. And defenselessness. Yeah. yeah so it's like it it's might just...
1: sound funny to hear that, that defenselessness is the best defense. But the defense is a magnet. It's going to attract something to tell you that that defense is not necessary. Yes,
0: yes. Okay. It's like for me, it's the willingness to be vulnerable.
1: Yeah.
0: Because the, the the more I'm willing to be vulnerable, the love that is who I am, who all of us are, comes out. And then as that love comes out, the people around me feel safe, their walls come down and they give love back. Hmm. So literally the willingness to be vulnerable is the greatest protection because it dissolves opposition and resistance the unwillingness to be vulnerable when you got your walls up, you're going to destroy love and you're going to create opposition and resistance mm-hmm. so our walls don't protect us they create more suffering and then here's the thing that's so interesting about the walls of protection we put the walls of protection up so we don't have to feel our hurt yeah. but what side of the wall is the hurt on
1: the inside where you are and the yes. wall that you're banging your head against.
0: Yes, the hurt. <laughs> the walls of protection don't keep the hurt out. Out. The walls of protection Keeps keep the hurt, the hurt in. in. <laughs> I want to be vulnerable. I want to be vulnerable because life works so much better in that place. Yes, it And in does. That willingness to be vulnerable, it doesn't mean be a doormat and let the train roll over. You say no whenever you need to say no. You just do it with love.
1: And it's such a good feeling to get there and be able to set those boundaries and express yourself and say, no, that doesn't work for me. I don't like that. I don't want to do that. I'd rather do this. Let's find a compromise. To be able to let that flow and express yourself is such a departure from the coiled up. Oh, how are they going to react? What are they going to think of me? I don't want to do that, but I think I should. Oh, but they're going to be angry with me. All the people-pleasing, all of the insecurity is gone. It dissolves when you can get to that place and feel the defenselessness of confidence.
0: Does that make sense? Yes, and all destructive behavior is done in the avoidance of hurt. And the more you're free of the hurt, the destructive, what's left is love. And in that state of love, there is no destructive behavior.
1: No, it, it, it has nothing to respond carry.
0: to. It's not there. Yeah. And one wow. thing I suspect very strongly is that ultimately all of life's lessons are brought to us to learn how to let go and trust.
1: I believe I can with that. Mm hmm.
0: Because the more you let go and trust, life works fine.
1: So in terms of boundaries, these are the healthiest things you can do because this tells you how much you respect yourself. For me, when you respect yourself, I know self-love is a big word that we like to toss around, but it gives people funny feelings sometimes. So I say self-respect. When you respect yourself enough to set healthy boundaries, not only with others, but with yourself. And say, no, there needs to be a limit to this activity or food or what have you. When you respect yourself enough, that gives you the love that you're craving. You know, and that's when you start giving that. But when it comes to loving unconditionally, keep that in place. Love unconditionally. But relationships should have boundaries.
0: Here's another take on boundaries. Okay. What's powerful is not so much the boundaries what's powerful is the ability to say no when you need to say no yeah see that was that's what's 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 really powerful so often what happens is that when people make boundaries they draw a line in the sand and they Mm -hmm. say don't cross this line but what happens is when you draw a line in the sand you invite people to cross it that's true so, so the power is not in setting a bunch of rules for how people need to be. Right, right. The power is being able to say no when it's appropriate to say no.
1: And the certainty within you that you emanate when you say no. When you do that, you don't need the line in the sand. You remind me of something funny. When I got my first apartment, I was 20 years old. And I spent a lot of time thinking, what do I want life to be like inside this space? And then I thought, well, what about when people come over? So I created a list of rules on how they were to behave under my roof in my space, since I was the first one in the whole neighborhood who had their own place, because I I noticed people like to, uh, make comments or they, they just like to break each other's chops. But I don't like that. I saw it as abusive. And so I was like, no, you don't do this. You don't do this. And you don't do this. As I got older and as I worked my way through those issues of trying to control other people's behavior, especially in a, in a space where I had legal claim to that control, I've realized that it's not – it was just a list on the, on the wall by the door. It wasn't coming from here. It wasn't coming from me. Yeah. yeah. That's why they, they, it's so easy to cross. But when that's strongly coming from you, people don't dare cross it. They know they can't, yeah. so they don't try.
0: You agree? Well, for me, it's like I have no boundaries. And part of that is the willingness for anything to happen. Being willing in my heart, not necessarily my actions. Mm -hmm. And then as circumstances pop up, sometimes it's appropriate for me to say no. And it's very easy for me to say no. I do not have a problem with saying no.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I and that may
0: be why it's, <laughs> that, that may be why I, I haven't needed, uh, boundaries. Um, but for me, I just, I don't, I don't have rules for how people should be. Right. I want people to be who they are. And sometimes it's appropriate to say no.
1: Absolutely. And I have cultivated that acceptance of others as they are, where they are. I meet them where they are uh, in, in almost all cases. I think I'm representing the percentage of the listeners who did the people-pleasing thing and didn't understand why, had yeah. the self-doubt, self-loathing, um, all that self-stuff yeah. that yeah. that makes your relationships and interactions so tricky and so frightening that you wind up bending yourself up into a pretzel trying to yeah. make something work. That's, yeah. the, that's that's the population I'm representing.
0: Yeah, and then that's and then what happens? Because uh, ultimately, all that's to avoid hurt. Absolutely. And then what happens is people will sell their soul to have a relationship work. The only problem is it doesn't have the relationship work. Right. Right. You know, it's like we we, we we're afraid to say no. We're afraid to take action. We're afraid to have conversations. We're afraid for this or for that. But when you can't do those things. Mm-hmm. You know, we things don't want the
1: rejection. Hurt. We don't want rejection that could potentially lead to loss, which hurts us. Exactly. And so it's that cycle. The things we do to ourselves. It's yeah. amazing.
0: And ultimately, the fear of rejection is the fear of a very, very specific hurt. And we did oh, yeah. talk about this in another session. But, mm-hmm. um, but what, what happens, real bottom line, what happens is that we're born... Happy, alive, and free. Just look at little kids. You know, we're, we're born clean slaves. We're happy, yes. alive, and free. Uh, but we're born in a world that kills it. Yeah. So in the process of growing up, we get hurt. We get hurt a lot. We collide with our culture. We experience very, very painful losses of love. We experience rejection, invalidation. And and as a little child, the. Only way we can explain these incredibly painful losses of love is to blame ourselves Clearly I'm the problem. Absolutely. And then we decide what that problem is. I'm not good enough. I'm not worth loving I'm worthless. I'm a failure. I'm this I'm that and it is never 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 the truth but in the eyes of a little child it becomes our truth and then we spend the whole rest of our life running from it doing everything we can to prove it's not true And if any circumstance comes along and hints that it is true, Mm -hmm. that circumstance will be perceived as a major threat to our survival.
1: Major threat. I mean, we're talking full catastrophic threat here.
0: Yes. People will will commit suicide rather than feel that emotion.
1: I was just visualizing that, like people just throwing themselves off a roof, then deal with this and face this.
0: But that's what happens.
1: And you know i've said before in other segments you know when we experience um abuse neglect or indifference in our early childhood development we don't hate the people who do this to us or that we perceive have not provided what we thought we were entitled yeah. to we turn on ourselves we start to hate ourselves but we can't bring ourselves to hate the person who perpetrated the abuse or the, the mm-hmm. neglect or was so indifferent to our situation we turn it on ourselves like you said you blame yourself for everything you experience and then you run around trying to avoid that yeah. Yeah. goodness gracious
0: the thing that i found is that every area of life that doesn't work can be traced directly to this hurt the finding and healing of this hurt is literally one of the most important things you can ever do in your life because everything we do to avoid it's going to create more of it so if i have a fear of rejection yeah. On the surface, I have a fear of somebody rejecting me, but at a deeper level, we never resist the circumstances. We resist the emotion. So if somebody rejects me, that proves that down deep, I'm really not worth loving. I'm worthless, Absol- not worth loving.
1: Absolutely. And, then, mm-hmm.
0: and that's a threat. If that's the truth, if that really is the truth that I'm not worth loving, why even be alive? So that rejection will be perceived as a threat to my survival. So my whole life is going to be about how do I make sure I don't get rejected? So I sell my soul, you know, whatever you want, and then, um, but will act in a way that will sabotage our relationships and create mm-hmm. more rejection and push away the very thing we want, which is love.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And the ego will put everything in a certain proportion. There is no size to miracles and there's no size to hurt. Things just hurt. It depends on how the ego perceives the event. So you yep. could have you could have someone that you bump into at a restaurant brush you off a little bit. And your response to that can be, hmm, the nerve. But then when it's something closer that has more potential to really hurt you. That's where the fear is really triggered and the fans are flamed by the ego. This is that perception of um, the size perception that a big hurt versus a little hurt and the extremes that we'll go to to avoid that hurt. When yeah. Why can't we just kind of get a balance between the two and look at it clearly that it's not the rejection. It's what you tell yourself about yourself when that happens.
0: Yeah. And and in it and that hurt can all get healed. Because the hurt is never, never based on fact. What happened is a fact. What we did with it is not. Yes,
1: that's true. Your perception and your, I say, the decisions we make with all the wisdom of a child that we just weren't good enough or that we deserved it somehow. And it's not about deserving and it's not about fairness. So what's your approach to healing the hurt? Or is that part of your awesome you know one-on-one work is that well, something can, you can, can hear? hear? Uh,
0: I'll, no I'll, I'll tell you exactly um but it's but it's i'm not really going to be answer that in a, in a real short amount of time but real right. bottom line real bottom line we create the belief that we're worthless not good enough not worth loving failure or whatever and then we fight the belief that we created and then we fight All the emotion associated with it, right? But fighting the belief magnifies the belief. Fighting the emotion magnifies the emotion. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing you can do to get rid of worthless, not good enough, or whatever the issue is, because everything we do to get rid of it validates it, magnifies it, gives it more power.
1: Absolutely,
0: and not get rid of it. But what you can do is you can take away its relevance and be so what about it you right. can get to the place where you can say yeah that's part of me it's part of being human so what and in the so what you have freedom
1: absolutely and and everything that you just said that's what you know intensifies our reaction to the situation it it just builds it and builds it and builds it and makes it so overwhelming when <laughs> when we do get to that matter of fact attitude about the circumstances of our lives i like to share with people uh, in a way that says you know if if you're um conducting this exercise tell me about yourself in a, tell me about yourself in a way that is merely stating fact tell me something about you that is wonderful tell me something about you that you would like to change but just state it as a fact you don't have to feel shame about it the fact is that some people are good at certain things and some people have weaknesses when it comes to certain skills. It's just a a fact, Yes, Yes. and that's okay, and there's no need to feel less than someone or inferior to someone else. You could just say, oh, I have this skill, that person has that skill, and be okay with all of it. That's where that comfort comes for me. You
0: see, and, 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 and that's where life works. See, it's when we fight what so or we fight what may happen that creates a state of fear and upset it it generates all sorts of emotion but the emotion destroys our ability to see clearly Mm -hmm. and in that emotion we're threatened which forces destructive behavior Mm
1: -hmm.
0: so so the more you're free of the emotion the more you get you back the more you get your peace back and in that state of peace you're able to make decisions and take actions based on fact and when you make decisions and bait be- and take action based on fact life works and when we make decisions and take action based on emotion which is what we do most of the time mm-hmm. that makes life a lot worse
1: it does And I like to say that the best way to kind of kickstart that, how do I get there? People might be asking. Well, I say make a decision, make a choice and use anger as a tool to help you get clear. I, I always say that every emotion has a negative and positive expression. The negative expression of anger would be destruction and destructive behavior, right? The positive expression of it would be get clear. No, I'm done with the situation or I'm done with the circumstance. I want to make a change. That's where we get to the cause. Use that as as your springboard to get clear and decide what needs to happen moving forward, changes that need to be made, and then how to act on that. And that's a good way to get there and to get back to what we were saying earlier about the cause. Either be the cause or be the effect.
0: Another thing, the, the opportunity is to be free of the anger because anger Mm -hmm. is a defense mechanism
1: this is anger
0: resentment and blaming are all deflections they're focusing over there over there that's the problem outside of me Mm -hmm. we're forcefully pointing outside of us because we don't want to look inside of us we don't want to see that we're the problem exactly and more specifically that we're worthless not good enough or whatever Mm-hmm. Which has nothing to do with the truth, but in the automatic attempt to avoid that hurt, we we have anger, resentment, and blaming. We, so yeah. any so anytime you're angry, anytime you're experiencing anger, notice the hurt that's under it. The moment you go to the hurt and you and you're willing to feel the hurt. You feel the hurt willingly like a child. The anger will disappear in an instant.
1: It's true. And I discovered this years ago about myself that I was very slow to anger. But when I got there, it was because someone hurt me first. Yeah. Then I became angry. And that was a fascinating discovery. Yeah. If, if it didn't hurt, then I don't get angry. And then I can take it in stride or handle it appropriately. You know, in a mature way. But when I'm hurt first, ooh, it still takes me a little while, but I get to anger and then I have to work with it and discover, go into the conditioning that was triggered with the hurt.
0: Yeah, and what's so important, see, the body is designed to constantly purge itself of impurities. Mm Mm-hmm. And if I have got suppressed hurt from the past, that's a major impurity. It's gonna sabotage my health. It's gonna create destructive behavior. It's just like, it's a major impurity. The body just naturally wants to purge it. Right. So what an upset is, if you look at what an upset really is, some circumstance comes along and triggers a suppressed emotion that was already there. Mm -hmm. But the circumstance triggers it and brings it to the surface so we can grab it and pull it out. Mm -hmm. That's what an upset is. An upset is always there. An upset is avoided hurt. An upset is the reactivation of this suppressed emotion, bringing it to the surface. Mm -hmm. So one thing that's valuable is anytime you get upset, first thing is to notice, oh, I'm having an upset that's very powerful because then you move from being in the middle of it to being the observer. Yes. And and then from that place of being the observer, then the next step is to separate the circumstance from the emotion. The way you separate them is to simply notice where they're located. The circumstance is outside of me, the emotion is inside of me. The moment you, you notice the emotion and see, Oh, there's all the emotion. There it is the circumstance loses power in an instant because you discover that you're not dealing with the circumstances. You're dealing with the emotion. Mm -hmm. The next step is to get that emotion out of you. And the way you do that is to dive into it, feeling it deliberately purposely because you choose to willingly like a child. Yeah. And when you feel the hurt willingly, like a child, that allows it to come, run its course, and go. But in our Mm. culture, we're not taught to feel our hurt willingly. We're taught to feel it unwillingly. You want to cry about something? I'll give you something to cry about.
1: That's true. We're
0: taught to shove it. But when we shove it, that destroys the natural healing process. So that instead of having the hurt go, when we fight it, we turn it into pain and we give it more power.
1: And that's only going to lead to patterns in our lives, behavioral patterns and cycles and circumstances that come around all the time, like this again, this again.
0: And it also messes up our body. This is true. They've been having studies that show that when you're in a state of peace, the body releases a particular type of hormone that has the cells rebuilt. Mm. But you see, the moment we're not at peace, that hormone stops. So instead of the body healing, the the, the body secretes a different type of chemical mm-hmm. that has the body begin to self-destruct. Look at so that. they're discovering now that there's a direct link between serious physical problems and suppressed emotion and the body knows that and the body just automatically wants to release that the body wants to get rid of that suppressed emotion and that's what an upset is the upset is the releasing of that emotion but our job is instead of shove it Mm -hmm. our job is to grab it and pull it out
1: yeah we tend to push it down or push it away
0: Kind of like you a, splinter. You, get a splinter, you get a splinter, you get a splinter in your finger, and you can't find the splinter. Yeah, well, it'll eventually work its way to the surface so you can grab it and pull it out. It does but what yeah. would hurt, is the splinter comes to the surface, and then we push it back in so we don't have to look at it. Uh,
1: <laughs> but that's, great analogy that, but that
0: is exactly <laughs> what happens with regards to hurt, which is absolutely insane.
1: It's exactly what we do, absolutely.
0: And feeling the hurt does not equal healing it. It's how you feel it determines whether the hurt goes or stays.
1: So what should you look for? What would you say to that? Well, there's
0: two, there's basically two different ways you can feel the hurt. You can feel it at cause or you can feel it at the effect. You can feel it as a victim of the circumstance, or you can feel it deliberately, purposely, because you choose to. In our culture, in the realm of circumstance. Almost always, we feel our hurt as a victim at the effect. And when you feel the hurt as a victim, a person can cry hours a day for months and have little or no healing. But if you take the exact same hurt, feel it deliberately, purposely like a child, you can have a major healing in moments. Totally. Totally.
1: I want to share something with you I and I've I know I've mentioned this on the show before but it's been years and I want to say it again what I noticed I went through a huge I had a huge loss in 1993 someone close to me died what I observed in that time because I cried daily I cried daily I had an opportunity to observe and then dug down deep into that. I wanted to know where it was coming from. What I noticed, what here's the conclusion of my little experiment or observation. When my tears were clear and simply wet my face, I knew I was crying from my ego. When I felt dried salt all over my face, I knew I was really healing. Those were healing tears. I was feeling the hurt properly and releasing it and my face would just be so tight with the salt but one day i was just you know crying like i always did and my entire face was wet but i was like it's not sticky it's not tight what's going on here and then i figured it out that's that's with you know that's from a place of i don't like the circumstance you know it it hurts my feelings to real loss and the pain of, of loss, the real pain of loss, as you feel it, it heals it.
0: Yeah. 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 And the, the way to tell whether you're feeling the hurt at cause or at the effect Mm -hmm. is to notice the direction of your focus. Okay. When you're focusing on the circumstances, you're going to feel your hurt as a victim and it stays. Okay. When your focus is on the emotion and getting it out of you, it can dissipate quickly.
1: I found a technique about a year or two ago, I wanna share. I had woken up, my consciousness was coming back. I remembered whatever I was upset about. And I said, okay, try something different. So I was still in bed. I had just basically come to consciousness And the memory of what I was going through reasserted itself, you know, by the ego. And I said, no, do this. So I gathered the emotion and while I was laying there, I made myself kind of float in it. Like it was a pool of water and I floated in it and I felt it. And I said, you know what? It's just pain or it's just fear. Enjoy it. Enjoy it because it goes away. And I did. And then i felt it dissipate and i was like oh now you're on to something what do you what do you think of that yeah. isn't that it was so effective
0: i loved well, it it's just like when you let it be there yeah. it dissipates and it did yes yes and it's just like what you just described is it's like it's it's it's, it's just beautiful it's just a great way of flowing with it yes it's like the yellow blooms you fight the yellow blooms to get yellow blooms everywhere But if you just let them be there, they run their course and disappear. And that's what you did, which you just allowed yourself to float into the emotion. You let it be there and it would run its course and disappear.
1: Absolutely. Energy wants to move. We are the the ones who grab a hold of it, identify with it, claim it, make it ours, put it into our story and hold on to it selfishly. Like, this is who I am and and what I'm my value. And it's not meant to do that.
0: What's so valuable is to be willing for anything to happen, be willing for everything to happen, let go of all attachment. Yes. And then go for your dreams. There you go. Wow. It's exciting. It's just, it's, it's fascinating to look. For me, I've always been curious, all my life, always been curious, it's it's like, how does life work? What is it to be human? And I remembered at a little boy, nine years old saying, there has to be a blueprint for happiness. It can't just happen. And I remember I would tell people and they would laugh at me. And then later I discovered it's true. It's true. It's like we have the ability to be in that state of oneness most all the time. Yeah it's choice. Yes, it's choice. And it's also there's, there's, there's things that you need to know, like, you got to know how to do it, you got to know how to heal, you got to, you know, get rid of the junk, there's like, there's steps. But the thing is, it's possible.
1: <laughs> it truly is. Yeah. It
0: truly but it is. takes looking, there has to be an awakening. And it takes looking at life in a very different way.
1: And it's interesting how you mentioned a nine-year-old little boy saying, there's gotta be a blueprint. And when I was around five or six, do you remember that Coca-Cola commercial that came out and they were lighting candles and it might've been the hands across America thing, but the lyrics were, I'd like to uh, teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. I'd like to buy the world a Coke and keep it company. Wow. That hit me hard. Wow. Cause I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to change the world and so that is what put me on the path to discovering in my way how life worked
0: and you never it, it's not a place to get to it's a direction to go yes i've been doing this work um uh, since the, the the late 70s i've been doing it full time since the mid 80s and and it's like i've i've discovered lots and at the same time i have got so far to go yeah yeah. see but but the quality of my life now i have more love i get moved just thinking about this i have more love in my life every day that i ever thought possible for any human being to have ever and that's the norm and there is so far to go see it's like It's not a place to get to, it's a direction to go, but every step along the way, life gets better and better and better. And that's wonderful, but it takes looking at life in a different way. We're taught in our culture, we're taught everything we need to know about how to mess up our lives.
1: And yet I had a thought earlier that slipped my mind and I think I have it back now. And what I had wanted to say was we each of us have a path to love no matter the circumstances of your life the conditioning the twists and turns that take place the hurts and the people who come in and the people who leave we all have a path to love and for some of us that's about learning to love others but for the rest of us it's about learning to love ourselves and you have to determine which path you're on is it about others or is this an inner journey that you need to take yeah. and and then, and then put your foot on that path and and just get started and keep going and love yourself the whole way.
0: Yes yeah and and what creates love is giving acceptance. Mm-hmm. To love yourself, you have to accept yourself, right. particularly the aspects of ourselves that we've been taught shouldn't be there. Yes so so when you can own all the aspects of you, The worthy, the worthless, the brave, the coward, the success, the failure, the good, the bad, the ugly. When you can own all the aspects of you, you've become whole and complete. You cannot be threatened. You cannot be hurt. And life is constantly trying to put us to that place.
1: All the time. It's like just identify those archetypes within you. Come to acceptance with each. And that's what I mean about emotions having a negative and positive expression. You just kind of outlined it. The failure, the success. There's that yeah. negative and positive archetype that we seem to feel inside us. Which one are can you? own it
0: all. Yeah. It has no power.
1: Don't be afraid to fail and don't be afraid to succeed. A lot of us have both of those going on simultaneously.
0: Yeah. 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 Wow. Exciting.
1: It is exciting. See, we get all... <laughs> we get so energized and and just to talk about it and experience it and even remember things in my mind immense periods of growth while they were very very painful i can't deny the gratitude that i have for having observed it and studied it so closely here's my little uh, recipe or formula for wisdom i started with observation Observe, take it all in dispassionately, no emotions, detach, a conscious uh, detachment. Then you analyze what went wrong, what went right, how did it make you feel, that type of analyzation. Then you integrate what you discovered. Well, it's a hurt. It's a hurt that I first felt in childhood, and they basically just poked at that wound. And then you apply it. So it's observation, analyzation, integration, application. Try to use something like that to approach these emotions, or what's really beneath the surface that keeps getting triggered, or keeps keeps patterns in your life. Yeah. And I, I think you're off to a good start. How would you share your process as from the late '70s until now?
0: Well, uh, I used to be a divorce attorney, and my focus as a divorce attorney was to have my clients heal their relationship, one human being to another. And uh, and I was really good at it. Something like fifteen percent of my clients canceled their divorce and got back together. And of the eighty-five percent that did divorce, virtually all of them did it as friends. Yeah. And uh, and very rarely, all I saw was my client. Very rarely did I ever see the other person. So when my when my client, so all I worked with was my client. But when my client right. shifted how he or she was towards the other person it shifted how the other person responded in return.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So what
0: I ended up seeing was that relationships are not 50-50. They're 100-100. Absolutely. And then I started learning a lot about relationships. And I started learning about how love is never enough to have a relationship work. The thing that makes the difference is not the love. It's the experience of love. If I interact with you in a way where you will feel loved, our relationship will be great if I interact with you in a way where you feel unloved, our relationship will be a mess. So if I want my relationship with you to be great, it's up to me, I need to make sure you feel loved. So in the beginning, it was all about learning how to create that experience of love and relationships. Hmm. And then there was a point when I started realizing that, that it's not just about creating our experience of love and relationships, it's about having that experience of love in all of life. And then I started discovering about these core issues and about how these core issues are the thing that keeps us from doing that and how to have that experience of love in our relationships and in our life. We got to heal the hurt that's so destructive. And then, you know, it it seemed like, oh, the experience of love, that's the place to be. But then I started seeing that, no, no, that's the gateway to something far more profound. The experience of love is the gateway where you can connect with God. And that's where I am now is discovering, discovering that. And and it is beautiful beyond words. And the thing that's so great, it's the natural state. We just get so disconnected from it. Yeah. We lose who we are. But
1: in gaining that connection what you're doing is bringing heaven to earth and experiencing it here well said bill well said well again this has been wonderful i am looking forward to all of our future segments you can expect ladies and gentlemen the same type of energy that we have here i want to remind you masteryoflife.com is where you want to go to explore everything that bill offers the community he's got quite a bit of content to explore. And spiritualinsightsradio.com is where you want to go to review the archives of divine transmissions, healing segments, join the community. I should be having a few uh, interesting announcements coming up very soon. Bill, thank you so much for your time, your light, and your wisdom today.
0: Thank you. Now look forward to next time.
1: Absolutely. All right, everyone, that's our show for today. Until next time, God bless and be at peace